Well, here I am again, sitting in my uh, mini radio entrepreneur studio. My name is Jeffrey Davis, and we continue to send you stories and post stories on entrepreneurship, business leadership across many realms of business. And our next guest is Camilla Massio, president and co-founder of Live Onyx. I hope I got all that straight. You got it. Nice job, Jeffrey. <laughs> well, I did just enough reading, Camilla, to make me really wonder what you're doing. And then you put up that graphic and you really got me spooked. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Well, thank you so much uh, to you and your colleagues for having me on today. So really uh, what we're doing at Liveonics is long before the pandemic, we've prioritized infection prevention, recognizing that even when hand hygiene with products that exist today is done 100% correctly, it may not be enough to inhibit germs like Clostridium difficile that you see behind me. And so simply put, we're making hand hygiene safer, faster, better and more consistent for in hospital use with our device and antiseptic. Your device, antiseptic, I think I understand because that would be a, a product that we could apply, but what is the device? Sure. So imagine you've probably gone into public restrooms and used um, those hand dryers that you certain you just simply insert your hands into and there's a very loud noise and it, it dries your hands. So imagine something like that, but instead of drying your hands, we're going to sanitize them. And so we are developing this product that will be a fully automated system that you would put your hands into and it will spray our antiseptic on it in order to inhibit the germs that are relevant in hospitals today. I'm sorry I'm taking this off on a tangent, but I used to, uh, <laughs> I used to work for the surgical division of J&J &J Ethicon and uh, I used to watch surgeons scrubbing up uh, which seemed like an eternity. Would this potentially be a, I, mean, I know that's a very limited use, but would this potentially be a replacement for that very thorough scrubbing that, that surgeons have to do? No, actually we want surgeons to do that very arduous scrubbing um, because in surgical settings, you really need to get deep into the layers of the epidermis in order to get your natural microbiota or the natural bacteria because those if introduced into an open site on the body could cause infection. So we want surgeons to continue doing this. This is gonna be for in healthcare settings like your ICU wards, your general wards, your ERs, uh, your long-term care facilities, nursing homes. So this is for your healthcare practitioners, visitors, and patients where we just want to kill the germs that don't belong on the surface of your hands. Because the reality is, is that when you go into those deeper layers of the skin and you actually kill the natural bacteria, that causes downstream effects of over drying of your skin and secondary infections. So we actually want to preserve the good actors um, and only want to get rid of the bad actors that could cause problems in healthcare. Oh, darn, you just nailed my last, my next question before it even came out of my mouth. Talk about intuitive. Oh, uh, yes. that, was, that, was, that was very good. Now, this product is not designed for those of us who have OCD, and I'm not saying I do, who have OCD who are compulsively cleaning their hands, correct? 
it's not necessarily needed for that situation. The reality is, is that the products that we have currently for everyday use, your soap and water, your alcohol-based hand sanitizer, those are fine for everyday settings. They do a good enough job. Um, but in healthcare, particularly because you have organisms like the Clostroides difficile, so to put it in context, the C. diff that you see behind me, that can survive on surfaces for more than six months in hospital settings. And once you get it introduced into your body, it's very, very difficult to get rid of. It results in profuse, numerous amounts of diarrhea, which can ultimately lead to death. So it's a really significant problem, which is why it's on the urgent threat list. But you don't see C. diff in, you know, community settings, really. Um, so this is really going to be healthcare and um, in nursing homes and that kind of thing where it's a big problem. And so while it would be great to have a consumer focus, I don't think it's needed. And we wanna make sure that we preserve, um, you know, what we would consider like the big guns to be used in healthcare. Cause that's where it's really critical because your patients are so vulnerable. No one goes to the hospital because they're on vacation, right? And so you wanna protect the folks there who are vulnerable from, from these bad actors. Uh, I'm going to, you know, make up my fictitious old Jewish grandmother and say, how does a nice person like you get into a business like this? What's, what's your background? Sure, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. So I've always had a love for science, um, but as a kid, when um, I had a love for science, I thought that meant either you became a doctor, a veterinarian, um, a nurse, that kind of thing. Um, I didn't know that um, this field of microbiology existed and it was my freshman biology teacher that actually introduced us to this idea of microbiology. So fast forward to, um, I had an amazing career at Cubist Pharmaceuticals in Lexington, Mass. We were known for antibiotic drug discovery. Um, and so I was part of the in vitro biology group that worked particularly with this organism behind me, Clostroides difficile. And um, we made antibiotics. And as a company, we decided it wasn't enough to make life-saving antibiotics because the pathogens are outsmarting us every way. So we wanted to prioritize infection prevention. And so we created a stealth infection prevention division within Cubis that I got to co-lead. Um, and the idea was we know one out of every 25 patients going into hospitals are getting hospital-acquired infections, and we wanted to stop those. And so looking at what happens on a systemic level, it's coming from contaminated hands, contaminated surfaces in the environment throughout the hospital and durable medical equipment. And so we really started to try to develop technologies around that. Unfortunately, the beginning of 2015, unfortunately for me, um, the company was acquired at the beginning of 2015 and all research operations subsequently shut down. And so after a few months, the engineers that I had been working with approached me and asked if I would be willing to create a startup company to finish what we started, but using a different technology. So solving the same problem, um, but using something different. And so that's how we created Liveonics and launched the company. Well, that you just got my next question again. I don't know how you're doing it. You're reading your mind, uh, which is my superpower. We'll just go with that, Jeffrey. Not that complicated. My mind's like a Dr. Seuss book. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, this was your first venture as an entrepreneur. What's yes. that been like? 
Oh, it's crazy. It's like jumping off of a cliff and assembling the airplane using duct tape as you're falling. So there are um, absolutely exhilarating moments um, when the data is coming out as expected and we're making headway on the technical side. And then there are just moments that are terrifying and demotivating and soul crushing. So it is certainly, um, you know, I work at this amazing um, incubator space affiliated with the University of Massachusetts in Lowell called M2D2. And there, there are entrepreneurs that, you know, have been serial entrepreneurs and they start a company, they sell it off, they start another one, they settle off. And I don't think I have that phenotype. I really fell into becoming an entrepreneur and starting a company. So it's definitely been an experience. And I would assume that you're uh, VC funded as well. Actually, our funding right now is through former Cubist colleagues that believed in the project um, when we be when we began. And so we're really excited to continue to have their support and mentorship. Um, so right now we're actively fundraising and believe it or not, despite the fact that we're still in the midst of a pandemic, mobilizing change and in infection prevention is very difficult. And so there's a lot of um, funding dollars through both grants and through VC or other kind of um, fundraising mechanisms that are prioritizing treatment, um, vaccination obviously, and also now diagnostics have become kind of a highlight, but infection prevention is still woefully behind. And so we're very accustomed as a society to be very reactive to things. And at Livonics, we've had the vision of wanting to be proactive because we understand how the pathogens or germs outsmart us around every turn. And so it's getting to have um, granting mechanisms and investors to get on board with that has been a, is quite a bit of a challenge. Well, especially because it wasn't your background, but you also, unlike a lot of entrepreneurs who have a, uh, a disproportionate sense of control and independence uh, on average, you inherited investors and a board of directors, I would assume, that you have to deal with, which is also a new experience. Yeah, and you know, I'm very fortunate because they're all amazing um, because they're folks that um, I worked very closely with through the Cubist effort. I feel like on that front, they've just been great motivating and guidance factors for us. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see as we take on additional investment and that the phenotype of the board will change. Um, so that'll be a, definitely a new thing for us to be able to encounter. Um, but so far, it really just has been trying to convince people that there is um, a profitable business in infection prevention. Um, you know, we have a regulatory pathway because of our antiseptic that sometimes feels scary for investors because when they hear a regulatory pathway, the FDA, they're thinking, you know, everything that we just went through with the vaccine trials and that kind of thing. And it's nothing like that for a topical antiseptic. These are clinical simulation studies. They're much smaller, less expensive, less time. Um, but some of it is just educating the people we're talking to about what our path forward is and then convincing them of the business upside. But really at the end of the day for the hospitals, we want to be able to offer that better hand hygiene solution for what they're used to already paying. Very, very good. Large market, great opportunity, competitive advantage. Uh, we are speaking with Camilla Massio, president and co-founder of Live Onyx. I got it wrong the first time. Uh, and uh, if somebody is looking for you or the company, uh, how would they find you? 
Oh, we can, uh, we're easy to find. So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we have our website, www.liveonyx.com. Um, you can email me at info at liveonyx.com. So we're not hard to find. Okay. And you can find Radio Entrepreneurs and more of Camelo uh, on our website at radioentrepreneurs.com, on LinkedIn, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, Google Podca uh, Podcast, and Stitcher. Just in case anybody was wondering if my producers were working, they've got us everywhere. So I want to thank <laughs> you for being on the show and you will be coming back, correct? I hope so. Yes. Thank you so much for um, inviting me today. And I can't wait to come back and give you an update. Right. And I, I'm not sure I've had a scientist on before who wore matching clothes to the uh, whatever, whatever <laughs> was crawling behind your back. So, you know, it happens to work out that purple is my favorite color. And that's just how this organism stains. So I'd love to say it was all purposeful, but it's not. <laughs> well, let's hope you have a positive stain on society. And remind <laughs> everybody, this is Radio Entrepreneurs. Thank you.